Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. But this morning I want to talk about a subject that you're probably fairly familiar with. Um, but I hope that I might just give you a different perspective, a different angle on it. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter's a great Christian. He wants the formula. (laughs) God, what's the formula for forgiving people? Is it seven times? And Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to pay the debt. At this point, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything. The servant's master had compassion on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had in you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. When I was a little boy, I, I, I had this, I don't know where I got it from, but I wanted to be right with God. I knew I had sinned, I knew God was the only one who could sort it, but I also knew I was miles away from him. You know, I would lie awake at night, I think I said on Monday, and I would wake up 11 years old, middle of the night, covered in sweat, because I knew I wasn't good enough to go to heaven. I knew that if I lived 100 years, I could never do enough good things to balance the scales. The debt I owed God, in my understanding as a little boy, it just could never be paid, and I was doomed. You know, back then he was the big bad judge. You either went to purgatory or or hell. (laughs) It was real good people, the the good saints that went to heaven, like the Pope or something, you know. I just knew that I'd never be able to work this off. I'd I'd spend eternity in purgatory or something, or in hell, 11 years old. (laughs) But, you see, this man was in the same situation, this servant. He knew... Despite his his protestations, despite falling on his knees and saying, give me time, I will pay it back. He knew he wasn't going to pay it back. We're talking tens of millions of pounds here. Tens of millions of euros. And he knew that unless the king changed his mind, he was going to become a slave in the prison where he would be tormented and tortured. He'd never be free after that. He'd run up debt... And instead of cutting his losses, 
he kept on going. I think he must have been like one of those investment banker guys. You know, you lose a couple of million and you think, I'll get it back in the next deal. And then you've lost five million. And, and this is what's happening with this guy. It basically, he stole money from the king. And so he did the only thing he knew how, in total fear and desperation, he begged for mercy. And the incredible thing is the king had compassion on him. This guy that he'd robbed from said, okay, there's no debt. And the guy's so overjoyed, he goes out and begins to throttle another guy who owes him like 100 euros or 100 pounds. And this guy has just come out of a place where he's been released from an incredible debt and burden. And it's almost like he's forgotten that. And he's, he's threatening this other guy. He forgets the kindness that he's been shown and, and doesn't extend the same kindness. And he actually throws the guy into debtor's prison that he himself has just escaped from. And the king hears about it, he's so furious, he, he, he gives the guy over to the, the debtors, uh, the, the jailers, to torture him. And this guy's going to spend the rest of his life in, in prison. Never mind the physical torment from um, the jailers. But in his head, he's saying, if only I had let that guy off. If only, if only. Oh, if I could go back and change it. If I could say to that guy, yeah, it's okay, take your time, pay me back when, you, when you've got it. And the memory of that is tormenting him. And how many times have you lain awake at night thinking, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this differently, I should have said that differently. Now, many people have got ulcers and all sorts of things because they lie awake at night going over and over and over things again. Ah, oh, I wish I'd done that differently. I wish I hadn't gone there with that person. I wish I hadn't said that to that person. And it just torments you. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying God's going to torment you and torture you. He's saying he will allow you to suffer the consequences of, of your own stupidity. He will allow you to follow your choices to their ultimate consequences. The interesting thing for us is that we have people who have sinned against us. We have people that, in effect, I guess, have robbed us. You know, they've robbed us of respect or love or trust or innocence or identity or money or relationships, all kinds of stuff that we feel people owe us. You know, they've stabbed us in the back and say, I owe him one. I'm going to get him. And it's, we're like that servant, aren't we? I'm going to make that guy pay. I'm going to make that girl pay. I'm going to make that group of people pay. And we go around just with this bitterness in us, this anger, this resentment, that, just, that someone has to make good on what we've lost, what's been taken from us, whether it's by someone's deliberate sinning against us or because it's someone neglected to do something or give us something. And we find ourselves in this servant's position we, where it's like, I don't know if you have the saying down here or on Germany, but in Scotland we talk about having a chip in your shoulder. You know, and it's like we walk around with this chip on our shoulder. You know, something's missing from here and someone has to re restore it. You know, and you become, you know, I was the archetypal angry young man. The world owed me something and the world was going to pay or I was going to take my, my revenge out on the world, <laughs> you know. 
we agonise over it. We, in our heads, we, we see ourselves choking them. And, and I, I remember being really, really hurt by someone. Um, and I would fantasise about getting a baseball bat and finding him and breaking his legs and putting him in hospital and all that kind of stuff. That just torments you, that's, that thing. It's over and over and over again. You know, and I, as I grew up, I, I felt my parents owed me something, my, my relations owed me something. You know, my, my dad's family were all Roman Catholic, practicing Roman Catholics. My mum's family were all, were all orange men, like, you know, King William and all that kind of stuff. And um, so neither sets of families really related to us. They, you know, because they resented the fact that th- there's this mixed marriage in 1960s Scotland and the west coast of Scotland where it's worse. So my wider family owed me something. And I just felt the world owed me something. My teachers, my bosses, my pastors, people in general. <laughs> I was angry and I was jealous or whatever. And I, it's like my whole life, my anger was just about someone has to pay me back. Someone has to give me justice. And But I came to a place where I, I, I realised I have a choice. I can be like this, this servant. I can hold on to my anger and my resentment. Or I can be the king and cancel the debt. I, I think the way forgiveness has been taught to us traditionally in church has actually robbed us of, the, of true freedom that forgiveness from the heart brings. See, the king didn't suspend the debt or, or put it on hold or, or, or arrange a payment plan. He cancelled it. He bore the loss you know we're talking millions of pounds I don't know if the king could afford to lose millions of pounds but he totally cancelled it out if this guy wins the lottery and comes back to the king the next day and says I've got those millions of pounds that I owe you the king would look up his ledger and say well there's no debt recorded here you don't owe me anything keep your lottery win and I began to understand that Forgiveness means that you never get back what you were robbed of. You see, forgiveness cancels the debt and never expects anything to ever be paid back. And I, I'd said it forgiven, but, but I was still thinking in terms of like someone owes me. I hadn't really truly forgiven from the heart. I still held grudges, I still had, held anger. Well, I prayed the prayer, you know. God, I forgive them. But if I ever see them again, I'm going to break their heads open. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. You know, it's like... <laughs> and so despite all of the, the great prayers I had prayed, and there was still anger in me. There was still resentment in me. I was still looking for repayment. My, my heart still wanted something from the people who had robbed me and who had hurt me. And if we're still angry about what we've missed out on, then we have not forgiven. Certainly, we haven't forgiven from the heart. You know, I grew up without ever hearing the words I love you, I'm proud of you. Maybe you were the same, maybe you weren't. Never held or and when you needed comfort, it was just like, get over it, you know, build a bridge, get over it. My, my friend used to be saying, say, there's 20p, go and phone someone that cares. <laughs> you know, maybe you grew up with a dad who, who really never paid any attention to you or beat you, never expressed his, his emotions or his feelings for you, maybe even pushed you away. Maybe your, your relationship with your, your parents was good. 
but even good parents can, can still leave wounds because they're not perfect. There was a, a guy called Jack Frost. He, t- he tells the story about they realized that throughout her life, whenever her, his daughter faced difficulties, she would never come to him to talk about it or ask for help. And they, so they, they sat down and prayed with her. And she, she said a picture came to her mind that um, when she was about five years old, Jack was sitting on his boat and she came rushing into the cabin and just leapt in his lap. Unfortunately, she led with her knee. <laughs> uh, guys, you know, so then, then her knee went right into his groin and immediately he just threw her off because of the pain but somehow she got it into her head that she couldn't come to her dad and so whenever she was troubled whenever she had bother she couldn't come to him because that experience had left a wound so, and yet she would say her dad's the best dad in the world and so even Good parenting can, can leave us with some issues. And so many of us go through life, we think we've been robbed of love, of opportunities, education, robbed of innocence, and so many other things. And it's, we might not even consciously do it, but we hold people as our debtors. Parents, teachers, pastors, bosses, friends. They owe us, they, and someone needs to pay for it. Someone needs to pay for depriving me. Someone needs to pay for being cruel to me. Someone needs to pay for neglecting me or or missing me out. And it's like there's a wounded child still in us demanding that payment, demanding that we get what's missing. Someone should make good on this debt that we wrote, this debt to be loved, to be cared for, to be comforted. And I've come to realise that for me, my parents... It's not that they didn't love me. It's not that they didn't care. They, did, they couldn't express it because they didn't have the emotional resources. They were like these servants who was like, I've not got it, but give me time and I'll, I'll find it. <laughs> they just didn't have the resources to give it to me. They were as devoid of, of emotion and, and love that I, as I was because of their upbringing, because of their background. And I think... When we're little children, we don't realise there are things that parents or or other significant adults, other authority figures can't do. So when they can't give you what you need emotionally or or even materially, somehow you take the blame for that. You think, well, they don't love me, they don't want me, they don't care about me. You begin to close your heart, you begin to harden your heart because you're experiencing rejection, maybe even abandonment. And you start to think, well, there's something wrong with me. You know? And we start to believe all sorts of horrible things about ourselves. But remember, and not, it's not always conscious. It's sometimes it's very deep within our beings that we just begin to believe, well, I'm unlovable, I'm, I'm dirty, I'm ugly, I'm a waste of space, I'm an inconvenience to everyone. And as a little kid, you don't know how to deal with frustration and anger, so it just all bubbles up and it can become violent or acting out or whatever it is. And we're not always conscious of what's in our hearts. You know, I shared the other day about when I was at LL Ministries and the guy's praying with me to say, you know, let go of your dad. And I couldn't pray the prayer and eventually he said, you know, 
Don, let go. You need to let go of your dad. You're still that 11 year old boy holding on to his, his, his dad who's died. You need to let him go because God wants to be your father. And I exploded. I said, God took my dad from me. He's not taking his place. And I'm exploding like this. And, but in my head, I'm going, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> who's, who's that guy? I had no idea. That, I was a pastor when I did that. I had no idea that was in my heart. And so we walk around with so much inside us that we're not aware of. And this anger, this unforgiveness was just a result of my dissatisfaction with the way life had been for me. I felt that life had been unfair and, and unkind. People had been unfair and unkind. Now whether they were really unfair and unkind or whether that was just my perception because of my expectations of the world, I don't I don't really know. But what I discovered was that this anger and unforgiveness kept me in a prison where I was being tormented, where I couldn't sleep, where I was in anxiety, I was in depression, I, I, I would explode in violence and anger. Because my soul within me was just continually in agony, just continually in pain. And I had to alleviate that pain somehow. Whether it was being violent, whether it was by drinking or taking drugs or, or having sex or whatever it was. I, I was in jail. I was, I was being held captive in a, in a place that was horrible. It was a place of unrest and turmoil and, and conflict inside. Explosions of rage and bouts of sickness and health issues. Stress, relationship problems, breakups. Someone once said, you know, that bitterness, that anger, it's, it's like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. And there, you know, you can deal with anger in a couple of ways. You can explode occasionally. You know, you're riding along and suddenly it's just boom. <laughs> and you're angry out of all proportion to the, the situation that's just happened. Or you can be someone who bottles it up and and just becomes poisoned from within by that. I think we've been we've been taught that anger is bad. But the Bible doesn't actually say that. All the Bible says is when you're angry, just don't sin. And it it's like we need to find a safe place, a safe environment where we can release the pain, release the frustration and the anger that that's building up and find a healthy way of doing that that doesn't harm us and doesn't harm others one thing I began to understand as I read this story about forgiveness was that the king knew exactly how much he was owed he didn't call the man in and say you know mate you owe me I think it's roughly about ten and a half million give or take I'm not quite sure he had it accounted he had it written down and he knew exactly to the penny, to the gold coin, what that man owed him. And so often I think we, we avoid that part of, of the whole forgiveness issue because it's painful to go there. You know, I spoke with someone a while ago and, was, and was, they were saying about some issues and I said, well, you know, have you gone to speak to someone, get counselling, therapy, something like that? He said, no, I don't want to go there because it's too painful. And he's still living with those issues because he can't go there because it's so painful. But the king went there. He, he went there and he began to say, this is exactly what I'm owed. This is exactly what's been stolen from me. I, I believe that 
to come into true heart forgiveness, we need to be able to sit down and say, this is what's been taken from me. This is what's been robbed from me. This is what's missing. And this is exactly what I'm cancelling. This is exactly what I'm, I'm letting go of. You know, when I first heard this teaching from James Jordan sitting in, in a room in Toronto, I began to get really, really angry. And it was physically painful because I began to understand all that I'd missed out on as a little boy. As a kid growing up in poverty and, and all, you know, just my dad's illness and, and death and, and the environment I lived in and the traumas that I, I went through. I began to understand what I'd been robbed of. And that was incredibly difficult to face up to. You see, some of it was no one's fault. It wasn't anyone's fault that my dad got sick. It wasn't anyone's fault that my dad died. It wasn't anyone's fault that he wasn't able to give me the things that I needed. Life happened and created difficulties. And as I began to let go of this stuff, I began to understand forgiveness doesn't give you back what's missing. I think we, we expect that when I forgive, then, I, then all, that's, all that's been taken from me, it's somehow it's going to all be restored. Forgiveness doesn't do that. Because forgiveness expects nothing to ever be returned. Forgiveness doesn't seek damages, it doesn't seek someone to make things good. Or True heart forgiveness just lets go and cancels the debt. But what happens is that it makes room then for God to, come, to step in and be the father, be the comforter that, that we never knew. To restore to our hearts, to our souls, to our spirits what's been missing. And that's the reality in this revelation of, of the love of the Father. There's an impartation from God that fills up the areas of our lives where something's missing. That's the reality I'm discovering. That He's a source for everything we need. And no matter how desperately you try, you can never fill up what's missing in your life. He's the only one who can do that. And what I'm discovering is that in my heart, he's restoring my childhood to me. I've got a little plaque I found in a, a tourist shop in Aberfeldy up in Scotland. And it just says, um, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. <laughs> and I'm discovering in his love, that's true. I can't really say I had a happy childhood, but I'm having one now. <laughs> And discovering his love makes up for the deficit that I've suffered in, in, in terms of affection and comfort and love over the years. It's, I'm not talking about an emotional feeling or some sort of romantic idea. You know, sitting in clouds, playing a harp and it's all fluffy and pink. Nah. And, you know, I'm not talking about those worship songs that talk, sing about the love of Jesus kissing us with the, the kisses of his mouth. That's gross. <laughs> I don't want some bloke with a beard kissing me. I don't want some bloke without a beard kissing me. <laughs> so it's, it's not this kind of emotional high or, or romantic... Oh. <laughs> it's, it's something of substance that, that impacts our beings. And as we learn to receive his love, something in our lives becomes more substantial. There's, there's a firmer foundation to build upon. And I'm realising that he is always loving us. My part is just learning to keep my heart open. 
and let his love pour in. And what I'm discovering is, as he's doing that, as he's loving me over the last 10, 11 years, I've stopped looking for a destiny, a purpose and all of that kind of stuff. Because actually he's my destiny, he's my purpose. Living in the place of being loved and learning to do what I see my father doing. And I don't have to have a plan or a strategy for what I'm going to do in 10 years or 5 years because he knows. I just follow him. My friend says his plan is to just keep his eyes on God's back <laughs> and follow him. And as, you know, when we're talking about this whole revelation of love, we're not, I'm not talking about ah, my mum and dad were rubbish. And it's just recognising my heart's been wounded through no intention of theirs. And what I'm doing in this place is just acknowledging where I've been hurt and where I've been wounded and where I need to be loved and healed. As I say, as I began to take account and realise what's been missing in my life, there's a great deal of pain. The Holy Spirit was showing me all the stuff that was missing, you know, times when I was, I was promised something and it never happened. When you're a kid, that, that can break your heart. You know, I remember being so devastated that my gran had, had arranged to meet me to take me into town and buy me things for my birthday. And she wasn't there. She didn't turn up. I was gutted. Absolutely devastated. You know, my mum promising to take me to Edinburgh Castle when I was about nine years old. She thought I was too young to go then. I'll take you when you're, you're older. She's never taken me since. Now, I've dealt with that and I'll maybe talk about that at some point. But... That's devastating for a kid. Hanging on for a promise that's never ever fulfilled. And so what I notice about this king is he called the cost. He counted the cost exactly. And he called upon the man to pay him what he owed. And that's how I lived. I, I lived calling the world to account. Someone's going to pay. As I began to, and as I began to understand... You see, one of the problems with forgiveness is that we're taught it's an act of your will. You pray the prayer and that's it, done. So if that's true, why does it keep coming back to haunt me? Why does it keep coming back up in my mind and my heart? Why, why do I still have the same reactions of anger or pain or, or whatever it is? You see, forgive, you're not wounded in your will. Your will isn't robbed, it's your heart that's robbed. It's your heart that's wounded. And it's from the heart that forgiveness needs to flow. And as I looked at my life, I began to realise my desire to be repaid, my desire for someone to make good on my deficits, I was asking for something that my parents and others weren't able to give me. Just like this servant didn't have the resources, my mum and dad didn't have the resources to give me what I needed. They gave me everything they had. But it wasn't enough for me, for my needs. They couldn't love me to the degree that I needed to be loved. They couldn't give me the attention that I needed to the degree that I needed it. Not because they didn't care, but because they were unable to. You know, and the Lord took me back through conversations I'd remembered with my mum, with relatives and all the rest of it, and realised what life had been like for my mum and dad. 
You know, my mum grew up in a in a bit of a dysfunctional family. Three children, but then her aunt died, and her mum took in those three children. So suddenly, there's a family of six in a house. That's uh, for sorry, a family of eight built in a house for four or something. You know, um, her dad was verbally abusive, and because of the war and stuff, he drank a lot. You know, my dad was disabled. He's 20 years old when I'm born. My mum's 21. And he's diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He's 20 years old. 21 years old. And I think, my goodness, I was a nut job when I was 21 years old. (laughs) There's no way I would have been responsible enough to be married and have kids. I'm not sure I am now, but anyway... And as, as I began to understand that, it was almost like, it was like watching the servant down on his knees pleading and saying, please, give me time, I'll pay it back. And I suddenly began to have this compassion for my mum and dad. Yeah, I'd felt robbed of affirmation and acceptance and tenderness and comfort and affection and love and all those things. But I began to have compassion for them. You know? forgiveness wasn't an issue then the more I went into compassion the less forgiveness was an issue I looked at the word forgive and forgiveness in that passage in Matthew and the Greek word means to let go to give up and I realised what God was saying to me was it's not about, the, it's not about your mum and dad they're not the issue the issue is what's in here will you let it go will you let go of the debt and then will you give up your desire to be paid back? It's, it's like the old thing about you know the monkey in the jar. The monkey puts its hand in the jar to get the, the cookie or the apple or whatever it is. And it grabs it, but it can't get its hand back out of the jar. Unless it lets go of it. And it's almost like God was saying, you know, your hand's stuck in the jar. Let go of this stuff, John. And you can put your, pull your hand out and be free. The problem with that is, if I do that, I'll never get it back. What do I do then? That's great, I've let it go, but now I'm empty. What happens is he comes and begins to fill my heart with his love. He begins to fill your heart with his love as you let go of this stuff. And I've realised the person is not the issue. I think it's one of the problems we've had with forgiveness. We've always focused on the person. They did this, they did that, but actually that's not the issue. The issue is what's in here. And so when the king cancelled the debt, there was no longer anything between him and that man. He gave up the debt and he let go of the man, paying him back. As forgiven from the heart, it's like Father is saying, John, will you let go of your pain and your anger and your hurt and your loss? Will you give it up? The opportunity to ever have it paid back by your mum, your dad, your aunt, your, your gran, your boss, your teacher, the police, the judge. You know. Will you let go of all of that stuff and give it up? And that was the, that's the process that I began to go through, just letting it go. And it's this taking account, it's not something you do once and then it's all done. 
you know, over, over the last year or two, I've realized that with my dad gone, I, if he'd been alive and not been ill, I would have had an apprenticeship. I would have, I would have a trade, probably electrical engineering or something. Our family life would have been different. My life opportunities would have been different. My, my dad was very ambitious. He would probably have had his own business and I would have taken that over. And so we would have had a better financial life. My emotional life would have been much healthier and different. And the problem is, there's no one to blame for that. I can't blame my dad and say, you did this and you did that. He didn't. He, he became ill. And it's no one's fault. So there's no one, there's no person that I can say, I forgive that person. And so Father's saying, John, just let go of the pain, let go of the wounding, let go of the resentment, and give up the idea that someone owes you something. And if you can do that, then I can come and be a father to you. That's what Paul quotes in, in 2 Corinthians 6.18. I will be a father to you. I'll do the things for you that your father wasn't able to do. I'll do the things for you your mum wasn't able to do and your, your family weren't able to do. And so what I'm learning is, is, is allow him to love me. It says love begins to pour into my heart and soften my heart. I can just let go of the, of the aggravation. I can release the feeling of being owed something. And I can let go of the, the anger over where my life got to. And I can start enjoying being me and living the life that I've got now, not the life that I wish I had. Sometimes the difficulty can be, you know, when we've counted the cost, well, what then? What do I do then? We can do the good Christian thing and try and find that, that the strength to release forgiveness. Because we're stuck under this thing that says, you're a Christian, you must forgive. Since you became a believer, you need to forgive people. And it's like, well, I don't want to. <laughs> I want to kill them. <laughs> you know, forgiveness isn't saying what they, those people did to you is okay. It doesn't mean that because you've forgiven something that they need to be your best friend. Or you need to be back in a relationship with them. The whole thing about hard forgiveness is that compassion begins to become a part of your way of life. This storge love that we spoke about yesterday begins to underpin how you live your life and it and enables you to begin to let go. This heart forgiveness, it's not a one-off act of your willpower that says, I do it, it's done, God take care of it. Sometimes we blame ourselves and we need to forgive ourselves. We need to let go of our anger at ourselves. You know, I took the blame for my dad being ill and dying. Somehow it was all my fault for just being born. Sometimes even as parents, you, you think, ah, I messed up and all of that stuff. But what I see in this story, which I believe is, is, is a real key to the whole, this whole issue of giving up and letting go of stuff, is that something in the heart of the king changed. He had compassion. Instead of justice, instead of getting paid and, and punishing the guy, instead of that justice, he had compassion. And he wrote the debt off. No conditions attached, no strings attached, no thoughts of ever getting it back in the future thinking, I'll keep an eye on that guy. 
And if I see that he ever makes money, it's mine. They had no thought of that. He just had compassion. Somehow he had insight into this man's plight, into the condition of his heart, and it moved him to personally lift the burden from his life. That's what compassion does. You know, you can feel sorry for someone. You know, you watch some tragedy in television and go, oh, that's a shame. What's for dinner? (laughs) Whereas compassion is something that moves you to personally help lift the burden, help to solve the problem. And so the king was moved with compassion and he was moved to actually do something to take the burden off this man's shoulders. And what he did was cancel the debt. I'm convinced that without compassion we can't truly forgive. We can go through the practice of uh, pray the prayer and do the spiritual discipline. We can force out the mechanics of, of forgiveness and walk the, the steps and pray the prayer and do the but if there's no compassion in it, then it's just a fruitless religious exercise. That's why so many of us go through this, forgiving the same thing again and again and again and again. And we never seem to get any more free or, or get any relief from it. Because we're just following the religious guidelines that said you should, you ought to, you need to, you must, you have to. God's way, our Father's way, is not through forced or learned behaviour. Not through repetitive prayers. His way is through a changed heart. He's in the business of changing our hearts, not just our behaviour. You know, there's an old saying that says, to err is human. You know, to make a mistake is human, but to forgive is divine. I think there's some truth in that. Because I think there's nothing in the human heart that wants to forgive. What the human heart desires is revenge, payback. Hold grudges, I'm owed something, I'll get them. And while that feeling persists, while that's in our hearts, we're not truly free. We are captive just like the servant. We're captive to the jailers and we're tormented by it. By the debt that we're owed, by the offence that we've taken. So, here's the problem. If Jesus is saying, you must forgive from the heart in order to be free and there's nothing in that heart that wants to forgive how how does that happen? how does that work? the only thing I know the only force I know capable of changing our hearts is the love of the Father the compassion of God that he would give our hearts the capacity to look at those who have sinned against us through his eyes and have compassion upon them. That is, compassion that is no desire to hold anything against them, no desire to, to get revenge against them. You know, we, we can take the attitude that, well, yeah, I know things are difficult for them, but they had no right to do that. Well, that's not forgiveness. That's still conditional. That's still judgment and anger. Some Compassion is something beyond all of that, beyond all of that pity and and anger and everything that just wants to let the person free, go free and in the process we set ourselves free that's what it's really about it's about setting us free as we alleviate the suffering of others you know I don't know what it's like for you guys in Germany and stuff but here in the UK we have a thing called IOUs and what you do is you write on the on the a piece of paper I you and it means I'm in your debt and you write the amount that you owe the person 
and you sign it and give them the bit of paper. And they hold on to that until you give them your debt. And it's almost like we walk through life holding all of these IOUs in our hands. Saying, when are you going to pay these back? But suddenly, when you came into this place of compassion, when you begin to let go of the, cancel the debt and, and give up any hope of ever being repaid, I don't mean in despair and hopelessness, but just saying, I don't need you to pay me back anything. I will bear the burden myself. I will bear the cost of that debt myself and let you go free from it. When that happens, suddenly the struggle to, to tear up the IOUs isn't a struggle. Because compassion and the love that's poured into our hearts keeps no record of wrongs. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, isn't it? Love keeps no record of wrongs. And so it's love being poured into our hearts that enables us to let go of the debt and not keep any record of the wrongs that we've suffered. It doesn't happen overnight. It can take time. You know, with that guy who hurt me and, and I was dreaming of getting the baseball bat for him, that taken me two or three years to get through. <coughs> but I came to the place where I was like, God, I, I, I can't forgive him. I don't want to forgive him. I want to hurt him. Please change my heart. Otherwise, I'm living with this anger and hurt and frustration and resentment. That's no good. Father, here's my heart. Will you change it, please? And so that's what he's been doing. That person's no longer an issue for me. I no longer have any desire to hurt that person. Do I want to be his friend and have a beer with him? No, I don't think so. But I don't hate him. I don't want to hurt him. I don't wish him ill. And see, forgiveness is traditionally focused on the person and and it's like, I've got my hand around his throat and I need to let go, but I don't want to because I quite enjoy this feeling of choking him. <laughs> I'm just seeing from a different perspective. As love is changing my heart, I'm seeing that the person is not the issue. It's my pain, it's my woundedness, it's my anger, it's my taking offence that is my issue. And like the king, I'm learning not to focus on the person. Like he didn't focus on the servant. I'm learning not to focus on the person. I'm learning to look at the debt and to say, okay, I'm willing to take the burden of that and wipe it out. The king changed from taking his anger and frustration and resentment out on the person. He let go of his threat to make the person pay back and punish him for it. And he dealt with that issue, that the debt that lay between them. And when he cancelled that, there was no longer any issue between him and the man. There was no longer any reason to have the man held there or, or pinned up against the wall or anything. The problem is when we, when we focus on the person, the pain and everything is still there. We're trying to do something that, that our hearts don't want to do. And actually it's just a way of not looking at the issue. It's a way of avoiding the pain if we can focus on the person and just hate them. I hate that person, I want to kill them. And we're not looking at what's happening to us. We're not looking at ourselves trapped behind bars of some kind of, some prison. We're not bringing that pain out 
to Father and saying, Father, this, the, here's the pain that I'm suffering. Here's the, here are the tears that I'm, I'm crying. Here's the rage and the frustration that I feel. Here's the helplessness that I feel. You know, quite often when we've been hurt, we don't like to admit it, but we feel like victims. That makes us seem weak and ineffective. And, and so, especially for us guys, we need to rise up and we need to do something about this and, and be a man about it. Because we don't like to feel as though we're victims. We don't like to feel as though we're helpless in this situation and can't do anything about it. But as we allow his love to come and soften our hearts, we find that we can let go of the offence. We can just give up our anger and our pain and say, Father, I trust you. I trust that you're good. And I'm just finding the more I live in love, the easier it's becoming to let go. In fact, sometimes I don't even realise I've been hurt or been sinned against. You know, and I was in an event. I can't remember if I told you this or not, but I was in an event. um, And I was speaking to someone at this event and talking away in five, ten minutes. I said, see you later, I need to go. And, And my friend who was with me was really annoyed. He was like, that person was really, really rude to you. And really horrible to you. And I was like, really? I honestly didn't notice it. I mean, I don't know if he was rude to me. Maybe my friend was just a bit oversensitive. But I really didn't notice any rudeness or any offence to me. You know, a few weeks ago we were burgled. And I haven't, I don't feel the need to forgive anything. I just like, I'm not angry. I'm not, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing, you know. But I'm not angry about it. I'm not raging. I'm not up, really upset. And I'm just like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, this is weird. I think when we reconcile ourselves to the fact that we've lost something and we're never going to get it back, let it go. Let His love come, soften our hearts, give us compassion. And it's not an effort, it's not a wrestling match to then forgive someone. But as he softens our hearts, as he gives us a compassionate heart, we're just able to let the offence go, the pain go, the woundedness go, the fear go. Sometimes it's an issue of loyalty and and pride. If we acknowledge that someone's failed us or hurt us, then somehow we're being disloyal to them or, or we're betraying them. That's not true, that's not the case. We're just simply acknowledging this is what's happening in my heart. This is where I'm at with my journey, my pain, my stuff. And what we're doing is letting go of this so that we can become more and more the person that we were created to be. To become the person that Father sees when he looks at us and speaks his love to us. And this is a process, guys. You know, I think we've been... It's been hammered into us that you have to do it now and that's it, done. But it's not, it's a process of our hearts and it can take time. And so I'm learning just, yeah, some things frustrate me and annoy me and, but I just bear my heart to him and say, Father, unless your love changes my heart in this, I can't do anything about it. 
I've under, I understand now that the way Christianity has been presented to me is wrong. It's been presented to me as though I have to do it, I have to make everything happen. And I can't. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that it's all of Him. We cooperate with Him, we walk with Him, we partner with Him, but we can't do it unless He is working in our hearts. And so I'm learning just to open my heart and say, here I am, Father. Here's all the, the crap, here's all the pain, here's all the rubbish, here's all the fear and the anger and, the, and everything else. I don't know what to do with it. So will you come and change my heart? Thank you that you're loving me, and as you're loving me, you are changing me. And it might take some time, but I know I'm on the journey. What I want to do, do we have any kind of gentle soaking music? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Probably need a pen and paper or pencil and paper or something here. And you guys, has it got anything? Or? Cool. Yeah, Linda will sort you out. And I'm just going to put on some soaking music and I want to give you the opportunity. Write out your list of complaints. What have you been... Yeah. You know, what have you been robbed of? What is it... What are the IOUs that you're holding? Who robbed you? Who owes you? Can you imagine if you could go back into the womb and write a, write a, somehow write a letter while you're in the womb and, sit and get it out there to your mum and dad and say... Guys, this time when I come out, this is how I want you to do it. This is what I need. This is how I want you to love me and, and nurture me and care for me. And don't worry about having to put it in nice language. No, one's, no one else is going to see this except you. This is you and God getting together and saying, God, this, here's my heart. This is what needs to change. Just, you know, find a space anywhere in the room that you want to, lie on the floor or the sofas or sit in your chair, whatever. And what we'll do is, I'll, I'll give, give you a, a good bit of time to, to do that and just let Father minister to your heart. And we're going to do some ministry. And I'll explain that when we come to it. Thank you for listening to the Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.